Welcome to Verso Alto Podcast, a Catholic podcast for teens by teens. Today, we are joined here by Brogan Lane and my sister Mari as our new guest. Each of them are going to tell a little about themselves before we begin our podcast of Obscure Saint. Hi, I'm Mari. I'm Sophia's sister. I'm a parishioner at St. Elizabeth, and I play flute in the choir. Hey, my name is Brogan Lane. I was a seminarian for the Diocese of Fort Worth, Texas for the past three years, but I decided to move up here to Alaska to get some life experience and to serve God where he has called me. And that has led me to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So what exactly do you do for St. Elizabeth Ann Seton? My technical term would be pastoral ministries intern. However, I'm mostly just a youth ministry. And anything Father Scott wants you to do. And anything Father Scott wants. Okay. As long as we're clear on that, and and in case he listens to the podcast, which I'm not sure if he does, so anything he tells you to do, good, great. So today we're going to talk about obscure saints and how did this come about, Brogan? Okay, so overall, I'd say I'm just a big fan of the saints, and as personal stories, I love learning about all the over ten thousand saints that we have within the Catholic Church. However, this particular episode was inspired by you and I working together. I think we were moving out of or into your new office and we were lifting some things. And I said, oh, very we should offer heavy things. <laughs> yes, very heavy things. And I think I suggested that we should pray or send a prayer to St. Hyacinth, who is the patron saint of weightlifters. And you were immediately curious about who that was. Very curious. I, I had no idea there was a patron saint of weightlifters. And, and at that moment, I was thinking, yes. We really need to pray to him because I can't lift as much as you can anymore because I'm I'm old and decrepit and um, you're young and spry. Mm. So thank you for all the weightlifting that you did, um, getting me into my new office. I really appreciate it. So let's hear about this patron saint of weightlifters. Oh, of course. We're going right into it. Starting with Saint Hyacinth, also known as the Great Apostle of the North. Saint Hyacinth was born in 1185 in Poland to a family of nobility. After his early childhood, he eventually entered college and studies and earned a doctorate in both law and divinity. Eventually, after some years after finishing his study, he accompanied his uncle to Rome where he witnessed a miracle by St. Dominic himself and was inspired thereafter to join the Order of Preachers or the Dominicans. After joining the Dominicans, did his duties for a while in Italy. However, after he was instructed to return to Poland to act as an apostle there, and after some time, he founded a monastery and had many brothers join him in Poland. However, his main story, or his most famous legend or miracle, uh, happened during the Mongol attack on Kiev. During the attack, as the city burns and as flames rise in the sky and smoke fills the air, uh, he ran into the, the sanctuary where the Saborium was kept, where the consecrated Eucharist was in the tabernacle. And he was intending to retrieve it in order to keep it safe from the Mongols' attack. However, as he was retrieving Saborium, he heard a voice, and it was the voice of Mary, and it was saying that she wanted him to bring her with him out of the city. And so he proceeded to carry not only a ciborium, but also a 
massive stone statue of Our Lady out of the church, out of the city, most likely like several miles to safety. And it's very clearly stated that under normal circumstances, he never would have been able to lift that stone statue single, like literally with one hand. And so I think that's just an awesome story about, and hence from that story is now the Pedro Saint of weightlifters. And wasn't he super old or in his own? 55 or so when he carried that statue. That's super old. <laughs> <laughs> That's super old. Oh, oh my word. 55? Super old. Oh, yeah, I think dead lifting. A huge stone statue of Mary. Yeah, that, that definitely gives you the right to be the patron saint of weightlifters, but super old? Okay, what do you consider super old, Sophia? Very careful with this answer. Amazing to think, like, in the midst of this burning city, he takes the time to, of course, retrieve the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, honor the request of Our Lady to carry her image out of the city itself. Right. Just, like you said, casually deadlifting this Dead, mass, yeah. massive stone, stone statue, statue of Our Lady. Yeah. So how do we know it was Mary's voice that heard? We trust, I guess, what he said about it. And because I have no doubt, like, afterwards, his brothers asked, asked him, like, why did you carry the statue out? Hartley said so. Yeah. Okay, when Mary tells you to do something, you just do it. Yeah. It's... Gotcha. So how old was he? Because I'm really curious <laughs> about this. So watch him be in his 90s. Watch, watch him be 53. <laughs> you know, super old. Well, I'm not some... letting it go. Quick math. If he was born in 1185 and the siege of Kiev happened in 1240. Okay. So he would have been roughly about in his like, 55. Oh, it's so super old. Yeah, it's 55. Super old. Okay. And he was a Dominican. Yes. Awesome. Great. All right. We're going to have a theme of Dominicans and Irish saints today. Ooh, awesome. Great. Who's next? Next, we have. My personal favorite, everyone on this list is my personal favorite. One of my many personal favorites, St. Vitalis of Gaza. Another thing you guys are going to have to get used to is very strange names. So St. Vitalis was early church saint who, as his name would suggest, lived in Gaza. Not much is known about his early life. However, we do know that at the age of 60, he a monk to Alexandria, which is in Egypt. And... Once there, he dedicated himself every single day to hiring himself out as a day laborer or working physically every day to for money, or he would resort to begging. Either way, after all day of working or begging, he would take all the money that he had gathered that day and would visit every single night a prostitute of the city as he had memorized where all of them lived. However, after, say, for lack of a better term, renting them out, Instead of doing anything promiscuous, he would instead pray with them and preach the gospel. And he would do this every single night for years. However, one day, as he was coming out of a brothel after preaching to some of these women, he was spotted by a fellow in the faith. And that man thought, what hypocrisy for the clergy to go in, going into a brothel and spending his time on such sinful things. And so he picked up a stone from the ground and threw it at him. It struck him in the head and killed him. He managed to crawl back to his hovel where he died. 
which is very sad. However, after that event, all the women that he had ministered to came out and spoke of the great things that he had done. For them. Most of them became wives, great women, and had and left that life. But they all came out and spoke to the great deeds that he had done. And many of them, during his funeral procession through the city, all lined up behind his body and carried candles throughout the streets. So hundreds of women lined up in funeral procession, all with candles, which I would like to view as like this light of faith and innocence that he sparked. I believe it's just this awesome show of faith and the spread of his faith through his ministry. So he's the patron saint of... He is the patron saint of day laborers and prostitutes. Any questions, ladies? Yes. So like the man who ended up dying from the stone, I think I'm kind of wondering if it would be scandalous to make yourself seem like you're doing something that you're not, like scandalous to everybody else that you serve. So is there any line that you should not cross with possibly scandalizing people like that yeah so i guess that all revolves about what you're called to do and what your ministry is what your apostolate is for saint vitalis he was a lone hermit and had a his entire thing is he had this great view of the human worth of the human value and within those women whom society saw them solely as objects or as physical means of pleasure he saw their true inherent worth as daughters of christ and from that great vision he had this great passion, great love for them. He was able to look past their, their livelihood and past their physical attributes and see that inside of them, there was a suffering soul. And while granted, like his method of death, some people saw that him hanging out with these people and instantly thought he was doing other things. But ultimately, it's about what he was really doing. And now while I can't I won't say that everyone needs to go to brothels and uh, clubs and whatnot and start evangelizing to him because that, that, that would be kind of a strange thing. However, nonetheless, it speaks to a message of seeing the true worth of people, not looking solely at their sins, for it is God's duty alone to judge. It is our duty as Christ commanded us to love one another as he has loved us. And that was uh, in his love. Dined with tax collectors, dined with sinners and saints alike. It's not our duty to judge, however, it is our duty to love and to, in that love, to will their good and to bring them to Christ, which was St. Vitalis's whole goal. I have another one, Sophie. I just think it's really cool. In a lot of the saints' lives, they're so simple, and it's the voice of the people that really get them to sainthood and people to notice their holiness and all the things that they do for other people. All the saints, they seem, or at least the ones that changed the world, they had a view that I like to hold myself, is that if you want to take, if you want to change the world, you change one world at a time for the world of one person at a time. St. Patal is dedicated every single night solely to one person to save them, to change their world. And by that, he changed the world hundreds of women and i've never had a great impact in the city of alexandria so you said he had great knowledge of the human worth <laughs> what happened to the man who threw the rope as i said all the women came and spoke of what saint patals did and that man eventually found out what he was doing at the brothel and of course repented for having killed this man 
But I personally have a devotion to St. Vitalis because every time I'm driving, I pass by a, a place of repute. I will say a Hail Mary for the women inside that they may come to know their worth and ask for St. Vitalis to pray for them. Or if there's anyone I encounter who has an issue with dealing with self-worth or that, which I find is pretty common. What else did you bring for us? So many things. You ready for another <laughs> very strange name? And yeah. our first our first Irish saint of which is Saint Gobnate. That being spelled G-O-B-I-T. Saint Gobnate was born in County Clare, Ireland, uh, around the fifth or sixth century. And he is said to be the sister of Saint Anne. I'm probably butchering these pronunciations. <laughs> Celtic, uh, Irish Celtic languages. Very hard to pronounce sometimes. But either way, basically, her entire story goes that at a young age, she fled home uh, during a family feud and eventually ended up in near. She eventually ended up in a town called Inishir, Ireland, which is near the Iran Islands. There, it said that an angel appeared to her. And told her that this is not the place of her resurrection, and to continue on until she found a place where white deer grazing. And when a angel tells you something that specific, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's required for you to listen. By the way, out of obedience, she got up from her place of comfort and continued looking, and eventually found that place where white deer were grazing at what is now known as Saint Gobnate's Wood. There, she established a convent and was abbess over it her main legend begins um after several years of running her abbey that she her duty entirely around that convent aside from abbess was taking care of the bees and to act as the head beekeeper one day and she had a great love for the bees which a uh, very simple a very pleasure one day as she was tending to them a group of Brigands came and attempted to make off with their cattle and their sheep. And as she was outside, she bore witness to them trying to steal all their cattle. And out of, I guess, righteous anger, he sent her swarm of bees after these men who were trying to steal their livelihood and did not call them away from attacking these men until all of these men had restored all the sheep and cattle to their rightful pastures. And then called the bees off. Which I can, at this moment, like, I'm getting like heavy Irish grandma vibes from St. <laughs> Godnate. And I can only imagine like you're out there, you know, you're a thief trying to like steal some sheep and cattle from you know, defenseless nuns. Then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're out there with the guys like, all right, guys, we got this. And all of a sudden you hear like this big buzzing noise and you're like, and all of a sudden you see this massive swarm of bees and old Irish woman. <laughs> hobbling towards you, screaming in Irish Gaelic. That just puts so much fear into my, I can't stand bees and I'm allergic to bees. So that just freaks me out, you know, and, and also that you, you really like this saint. So, okay, maybe I should pray to her to, to keep the bees away from me. Oh, yeah. That might work too, do you think? Yeah. And by that, by her story, she is the patron saint of beekeepers and bees. Okay, so... Stay away. Please stay away. So if you're being pursued Listen, by bees. Don't steal cattle from... <laughs> yeah. Don't steal cattle don't from steal Irish cattle. monks. Good to steal from religious sisters. <laughs> but I also love about these obscure Irish saints, of which there are 
uh, is that how that they they fit into Irish folklore. Like not only does she have this story, um, but she also fits into Irish folklore around a well or, or a well, which is known as Saint Godmaid's Well, uh, which is rumored to this day that if you visit, you can see the white stacks grazing around it. You mean like elk, big deer? I don't think they have in Ireland. There's a them. stag. A stag is like a, a stag, male, a deer, yeah. male deer. A heart. Kind of like from Harry Potter. Yeah. But they're white. Yes. Grazing around a well. Yes. All white. The purity of our dear Irish sister. Which I think is awesome because apparently deer are like some great holy creature within Catholicism. Because not only for St. Gobnick here, but you also have St. Hubertus who witnessed a miracle of, as he was hunting in the woods, his dog's caught the smell of a deer, but when they found it, they wouldn't attack. And when the deer turned its head towards St. Hubertus, there's a uh, miraculous image of a crucifix in between its antlers, just like blowing, which is actually now the, the inspiration for the symbol for Jägermeister. Oh, good to know. For all of our young Catholic mm. teens. Just the cool ways of how our saints interact with our daily lives. Absolutely. Any questions, Sophia? All right, well then, moving on to our next saint. This is actually a name that most people can pronounce. This is St. Raymond of Pennefort. All right, that's an easy one. Yeah, that's, that should be an easy one to remember for everybody. St. Raymond was born on the 6th of January, 1175, near Barcelona, and was also descended from a royal or noble family. After his childhood, not about which not much is known, he went to college and received his doctorate in both canon and civil law. And then after teaching both subjects, he eventually joined the Order of Preachers or the Dominicans, as all people do apparently, and continued on his duty of teaching. However, after some time, he eventually became the confessor and advisor to King James I of Aragon. And no, that is not Aragon, as in Lord of the Rings, that is as in... That's too bad. Yes, the kingdom. By <laughs> the way, he, as I said, he became the confessor to James I. And on a campaign to convert the Moors, he began living openly with the mistress or concubine. And naturally, for his confessor, this is, was quite unsettling for St. Raymond. And so one day he approached the king and said, I cannot condone you living with it openly with concubine. And so... I present you with this ultimatum. Either dismiss her or I leave. Naturally, the king, valuing his advice and his, I guess, religious information, didn't want him to leave. And so then being on an island, he forbade any sailor from taking St. Raymond away. And however, being a man of great faith, he simply sauntered down to the coast with his brother Dominicans took off his kappa, or the outer garment of the Dominican habit, tied it at one end to the top of his walking stick, and placed the other half on top and cast it onto the water, making like a makeshift sail. And then looked back to his brothers and said, all right, guys, hop on. Of course, they're all saying, you know, man, you're crazy. What do you want us to do? We're going to drown. And he said, see yourself, proceeded to hop onto his cloak and sail 160 miles across the sea back to Barcelona. 
And the entire time as he's leaving the port, uh, all the sailors on the ships are like, you know, cheering him on. And his brother's doing the same, probably gobsmacked, uh, uh, just staring from shore. Of course, after this news traveled back to King James the first, he repented, got rid of concubine, and St. Raymond returned and c- continued acting as his confessor and helped convert a lot of just imagine being on the port in Barcelona and seeing this Dominican riding on his cloak. I don't right, like you're just like sitting there, like you're some dock worker, and then all of a sudden this guy comes sailing. You hear like Pirates of the Caribbean theme music playing. <laughs> yeah. What's that? This guy comes sailing in on his cloak. It make you want to be a Dominican. Oh yeah, yeah. like I would have dropped like, everything right there. It's right like, there. well, I guess Good. I'm gonna wear white for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure all the other orders are just going pan. Oh, all the orders have excellent saints. It just happens that a lot of the obscure ones I'm talking about today are for preachers. So you showed us picture one. Yes. Got to see. Got to see this. It's just un- unimaginable. Like, what? Look at this. This is the main image for him. That's oh, awesome. You see that? Really? But Teresa, as a sailor yourself, I, I think you have a very personal connection to, oh, yeah. Absolutely. to this kind well, of story. First of all, I hate sailing. I know that sounds crazy. My husband, on our first date, he took me sailing, and that didn't go well. Small boats? No. I like large ships, anything that doesn't rock. But, I mean, come on, a cloak? Are you kidding me? I'd be throwing up all over the place. Yeah. I'm sure it was rough seas, too. You know, but, but like 160 miles on way. Well, and also, like, can you imagine if you were one of his brothers, brother, Dominicans, Oh, come on, hop on. Are you kidding me? Where are we going with that? And then traveling uh, over 100 miles on it, they would be ready to throw each other off of the cloak. Imagine, though, when they heard he got to land, like, right. being like, oh, I could have been on that. Right. <laughs> but that would have just been historical for them, but they didn't. So it's just him, right? Just him. Just him. That's amazing. However, unfortunately, he is not the big. Well, he is the patron saint of canon lawyers and lawyers. <laughs> no, but, but, but I think that I think he has his hand in. I think he sailing. should be the patron saint of people who sail. You know, like like the people who do the America's Cup. You know, the actual people who use sails, not mm. motor. You know, but yeah, he should definitely have something in there as opposed to canon lawyers. I don't think he's restricted in his patronage. Yeah, I don't think any saints are really. Oh, no, but no, no, no. Yeah, I think that that just he should be. You're I right. know what we always joked about at the seminary was that you should pray to the obscure saints because they don't get a whole lot of prayers. And so that when you pray to them, they're going to just like lasting <laughs> blessings and graces. Because they're bored? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Probably not more than heaven, but it was just something that we or have don't to have enough to do. <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Listen. Definitely pray to all of these obscure saints. You have one more? Yes, one more for you guys, which is St. Dimple. Well, I know she is not as in the realm of obscurity as the rest of these. However, I believe she is a very prevalent saint these days yeah. with her patronage and her story. So St. Dimple was born circa the 7th century to an Irish petty king known as Damon. A petty king being a king who was under the rule of a high king. At the age of 14, she took a vow of chastity and dedicated herself solely to Christ. However, soon after, her mother passed away. And her father, Petty King, 
loved his wife so much, especially for her beauty. His mental state immediately began to decline heavily, and his kingdom just eventually was like falling into ruin. So all his advisors are pushing him to remarry once again so that he can regain his mental state. However, he said he would remarry on one condition, that his new wife would be just as beautiful as his previous wife. Unfortunately, after a very long time of searching, they couldn't find a single woman that compared to his previous wife, Beauty. During that time, however, he began to desire his daughter, as she looked very much like her mother. Once she found out about that, however, naturally she was rather disgusted and fled the home of her father with her confessor and advisor, Father Jerobernus, two servants, and the court fool, court jester, and fled to Giel, Belgium, where she is said, is said to have established a hospice for the poor and the sick of that region. After some time, however, her father continued spiraling down and devoted himself to tracking her down and finding her. And so he did just that, tracking her by the Irish money that she needed to pay for things along the way. And eventually he found her and brought with him, of course, his soldiers. And despite the best efforts of her servants and Father Jerobernus to defend her, they were all killed, and he and her father basically gave her an old either come back to Ireland with, as my wife or die here. Of course, in her courage and her faith, she denied him and he beheaded her on the spot. And that hospice was then, after several hundred years, was converted into a church which still stands today. She's also the patron saint of those who have mental illness, bipolar disease, ADHD. And those who are mental health. Right, right. And then every five years, I believe, in Giel, they have a huge procession to, to the house that she established for yeah. those who have mental illness. I just recently, I think in the last couple of years since COVID, the lockdowns and working with young people and young adults, their anxiety and their depression that has occurred not only in Alaska, but across the states. Dimpna came right over my desk. And that's one saint I've had poured out to all of the young people. Please pray to her or, you know, if you are dealing with depression, anxiety, bipolar disease, ADHD, any of those things, also mental health professionals, you know, but she is amazing, an amazing saint. I'm glad that she came across my desk. Yeah, I wanted to bring up all these saints as they are all very prevalent to this day and age. St. Hyacinth for an excellent example of masculinity. St. Vitalis of seeing the true worth of people and seeing past exterior beauties. St. Gobnates, just for her, she are saying her great faith of getting up and moving from places of comfort and her issues with family struggles. And St. Raymond, of course, an excellent example mm -hmm. of faith and conversion. Mm-hmm. And just mostly just great faith and trust in the Lord. And of course, lastly, St. Diphna for her patronage over those with mental issues. And especially, like you said, with need her help with and over depression. Yes, absolutely. 
So this is our first of many Obscure Saint podcasts. So we're going to do another five, maybe in a month or so, and then another five, maybe in a month or so. And so we're going to keep Brogan very busy looking up uh, Obscure Saints. We are going to have other podcasts this month on World Youth Day and some testimonies from several of the kids that went to World Youth Day to, in Lisbon this last summer. We're going to do a podcast on Mary, another one on angels. So make sure that you you stay tuned for our future podcasts. We also have one, I think, in the queue about public school and private school, which needs to go out and become public. I have to edit that one. Mari, you are always welcome back. Thank you for being here. I know I said too much, but laughter is enough. And Sophia, would you like to say anything else? Thank you, Brogan and Mari, for joining us. And let's end in prayer and ask for all of these obscure saints to help us and pour out their graces in our daily lives. Amen. Father, Son, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed is the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and our death. Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you for listening, and please look forward to new episodes coming out. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast at Versa Alto Podcast, and email us with any questions at Versa Alto Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or prayer requests, and we will look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.